Uh, this is a, <clears throat> a subsection of the absolutely true stories called, uh, <clears throat> I'll call it, The Old Hometown Show. Uh, <clears throat> it's really not a show, it's really, this podcast is more of a compilation of uh, what I've read and researched on uh, uh, current social situation and the historical relevance and the cultural uh, relevance of all that's happened. Um, well, <clears throat> there's been a long history of what I call the Colonel Sanders complex, or uh, another term would be the, the the benevolent uh, uh, master, uh, the benevolent overlord. Um, I'll have to go way, way back to feudalistic times where um, the overlord, the lord of the manor, he had... uh, servants and uh, serfs that worked in the fields that did all the hard labor and uh, uh, there was two different levels of uh, the serfs. There was the the townsfolk serfs who they cultivated the land of the manor. They weren't given ownership of any property they were just uh, there to raise crops, keep the land uh, productive. And they would get, there would be like a little share, a little stipend of, of, of their, uh, their hard labor and, and, and harvest and product and whatever. <clears throat> and the rest would go to the you know, lord of the manor. Then you had the, 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 I would call the in-house serfs, the servants, the, the horse masters, the, the uh, gardener, the maids, the, sta- the manor staff of the manor mansions and all uh, uh, outbuildings. And it was like a, a closed cultural society. It was a, like a little country unto itself. And these uh, noblemen, dukes, earls, and the like would meet in the higher government uh, at periodic times and make sure everything was going correctly. Um, this sort of got transposed when the uh, new world opened up, when uh, you know America was discovered and colonization started. The colonists, a lot of them were like uh, the lower class. This was way after the feudalistic states were kind of dissolved through the Magna Carta and other long wars and uh, people didn't have to, you know, 
be subservient and be a serfs to the lord of the manor. The, the, the peasants, as they were called, they had, some of them owned maybe a little parcel of land. A lot of them didn't. A lot of them were sailors and and, and a workman when it, when it, uh, production started in cities, and you had uh, you know workmen and and guilds and things like that. Um, they all came to America, and it was lots of hard work, and. Uh, they had to do what they did back then, but they didn't have to overlord over them. But as the colonists started to produce and get wealth, the overlords kind of came over in the colonial times and, you know, had the taxes and you had to give so much to the to father, mother, queen, and father, England, and uh, and and. The institute of that uh, overlord kind of colonial uh, government moved across the pond, and um, the government were all noblemen from from Europe, and uh, and so they were sort of back in kind of sort of state they were in feudal times, except for. They didn't have to uh, live on a manor and work for the, work for the uh, master, but they had to pay their taxes and and the and and the government and all of that. So they started importing, you know, labor. Uh, Cotton was king, and uh, a person of dark skin from warm climates was a big advantage, because you know uh, that's why people of dark skin in the warmer climates do better than people with light skin, because they were made for the warm, tepid, tropical climate and the heat. And uh, dark skin had something to do with the sunlight and and uh, energy use. Um, so when the plantations in the South were big, and you had the master of the plantation, which was not unlike the, the dukes of the. Uh, feudal times and they, and they tailored themselves after it you know uh, the Colonel Sanders syndrome and um, you know the white suit the white hat the manor house and you had the the slaves the serf slaves they weren't even serfs because they weren't allowed any part of the profit of the production and uh, they weren't um given any parcel in or any uh, stake in the estate. And then you had the house, you know, sir, slave, the house, I'm not going to use the term, 
because I guess it would be too derogatory nowadays and not politically correct. You would have the house slave, and, and this got built into the culture over two, three, four hundred years. You know, a good example of, of, of this kind of relationship started to develop between long-term house slaves and, and the master, you know. Uh, the movie Driving Miss Daisy is like deep cultural, southern cultural relationship between uh, blacks and whites and that relationship of the of the head of the house or the manor or the mansion or the plantation and its family members and the house servants, which became almost sort of like part of the family, except not really. They still did not have a stake and get any inheritance or anything into the family. But this would be over generations. Now, um, in the South, you know, they didn't have to pay the slaves. Cheap labor, right? And, uh, and when the, the Great Migration North, especially during the Depression and uh, a little, little before, you know, uh, the North had the same reason. They were the production, uh, cheap labor. And the reason why there was a great black migration north was that there wasn't even cheap labor in the south, and uh, at least there was cheap labor in the north. Um, so this pitted the, the lower class white population, which in the south had little pieces of land. After the Civil War, you got your 40, lower 40 acres and your government mule, if you were, you know, a veteran. And uh, you were poor, and, uh, and the poor whites and the poor blacks were at each other's throats for, for, for jobs, for, for uh, uh, you know, production to, to make income. And this caused a real tough division between us them and uh, the benevolent overlords of course they sat on top of it all and they made sure that the fire wasn't drawn to them that they were still getting you know at the very least you know they were they were getting you know 90% or more of the profit of the production and you were lucky to get 10% of it uh, if you were poor white and poor black. And this animosity between them over control, you know, developed over, you know, 150, 200 years in the South and it migrated to the North where, you know, the, the poor blacks were kept in the menial jobs. You know, you had the black ceiling, you know, at a certain level, maybe a supervisory level or a little bit lower, it would be all white, you know, uh, management. 
Um, and this relationship of the benevolent overlord is deep in the culture, you know. The benevolent overlord, the factory owners and the, and the plantation owners, you know, would keep you in food just enough to keep you alive. And, you know, you would buy from the general store and stuff. And uh, uh, big, this is when the unionism started to come in. And it was a big backlash on that. And uh, <clears throat> this goes right down today. It's a deep-seated cultural thing. You know, it's, 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 it's not explicit. It's implicit into the culture of uh, honor, they call it. It's part of what's called the cultural of honor, one component. So that's a long history of how the race race relations have developed over the over the decades and and years.